Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Parrot Podcast. No uh, individual preview or review podcast this week due to scheduling conflicts. This is going to be one big whopper of a podcast and joining me to do that are my good mates, Bertie. Oh my God, I feel like Hungry Jacks now. <laughs> the Parrot Podcast, proudly sponsored. Oh, how's it go- by the way, how's it going, guys? <laughs> good to have you on board, mate. And Ham. Uh, the burgers are better at Red Rooster. Whoa. Yeah. There goes Hungry Jack's sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, but you've got to wait half an hour for the burger. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. It's worth worth the wait. <laughs> so uh, there goes the Hungry Jack's sponsorship, Rip. Uh, but let's get right into it, boys. We've got a lot to unpack. It was a rather diabolical weekend for the Parramatta Eels. Arguably the worst performances across Flag Cup and NRL for the entire season. Eels falling across all three game games. Uh, starting up in the top end at Darwin on Saturday night, the yeah, North Queensland Cowboys far too good for the Eels on the day, winning 35-4, to including a flurry of late tries. I think it was three in four minutes uh, as the Eels just wilted away under those torrid conditions. For the Eels, it was a lone try to Hayes Perham. A little bit of Bryce Cartwright vision there down the left edge short side. And for the Cowboys, it was uh, led off by Kyle Felt Hattrick, which he completed in the 57th minute, followed by Tom Dearden, uh, the Hammer, Hamiso Tabuai Fado off the bench, and Scott Drinkwater also scoring. Valentine Holmes having a respectable day from the tee, four from six in terms of try conversions, adding a penalty goal and a field goal. And this was a game very odd. Eels controlled the flow early on, boys, uh, but did not throw too much at the Cowboys in terms of. Uh, attacking structures it was very side to side Cowboys just uh, absorbed it and while we thought that might have drained them in the second half instead it was the Eels who ran out of legs in those really testing conditions we're talking 30 plus degrees uh, 80 plus uh, percent humidity and given they sort of train in those and, and live in those conditions it's not too surprising uh, but yeah the, the Eels just wilted I know there was some talk about Dylan Brown being the centers but uh, this was just a 1 to 17 thing I think the boys didn't play their best football by miles they come out. They were flat from the from the very beginning. They were just sort of nothing to the to the game. I'm not sure if it was a planned thing, you know, because we've got a pretty hard draw coming up in the next three four weeks. So um, I, I don't playing. think they would have taken the Cowboys lightly for this one. Not only are they an ascending team in the context of the 2022 season, they're the only other team to have ever beaten the Eels in Darwin prior to 2022. Uh, way back in, was it 2016, 2017? The Jonathan Thurston-led Cowboys, as he returned from injury to try and make a bid for State of Origin, uh, carved this up to a very similar scoreline. I think it was 32-6. So I don't, I don't think it would have been taking the opposition lightly. I just feel like we were just flat. It, yeah, I don't know. I, um, yeah, it might sound salty because we've lost, but we've played the Cowboys three of three the times. past four times. Yeah. We've gone up to Darwin. Like I, I'm sorry, but we need to stop taking a game up to Darwin. If I, I agree in the case of if we if we have to play the Cowboys, the the one team that is actually conditioned to play in the tropics, then it, the financial windfall doesn't seem worth it when the ultimate goal is to win a premiership. Yeah, at the end of the day, the Parramatta National Rugby League team is there to win a competition, and this year I don't think that loss will be the difference between making the eight, but in future seasons it might be, and I think that we need to get on before this becomes a trend in the NRL. Like the Anzac Day game, especially when not only are the Eels facing an opposition that is acclimatized to those torrid conditions, the NRL doesn't even have the decency to give the Eels a seven or eight day turnaround for the next week. You're taking on the reigning premiers in round nine, and you have a six day turnaround. That that is like negligence that borders on bad faith, in my opinion. Yeah, it it might be. It might be salty. It could. It probably is a bit of saltiness at the moment. But I just I don't think we need to be taking games away. We've got the best stadium in Australia. For rugby league, we've got the best sta- best stadium hands down. In my, in my opinion, um, we should be playing twelve games, twelve home games at Parramatta Stadium. Not you know 
fair play to the people of Darwin, but the ground is a shithole. It's an AFL ground that, you know, and uh, most you could, you could hear the definite split in the in the crowd support. There was a definite probably 60-40 split towards the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're taking a home game away and you're completely diminishing a home ground advantage. I agree, Ham. And, I mean, this is a game I don't want to linger on too long because I think much like the team needs to have, you need to sort of take a goldfish memory approach to the fallout from this because I don't think there's many lessons, uh, positive or negative, that you can extract from this to help you in the long term. Uh, but I do want to shout out a few things and, and talk about one issue I think probably will start off with that in that we talked about the team being flat, but I think this was perhaps the most passive game the Parramatta spine, and then if you throw on Dylan Brown from centre, uh, you know, the five of them has ever played. It felt like they were just letting the game flow as the Cowboys wanted. No one was willing to step up. And, you know, and people were looking at, at Jake Arthur here, but I'm looking at Mitchell Moses, Quinton Garferson, Reed Barney. Uh, they, they were all so passive in this game. Reed had barely any impact around the middle trying to run against what should be fatiguing forwards. Uh, you know, and every other week it feels like he tries for a 40-20, but not this week. Uh, Mitch didn't run the ball at all. Uh, and then uh, Quentin Gufferson, you know, just he had an it's fair play to Guffer. He had an early kick that could have resulted in a Bailey Simonson try, but I don't think Bailey was counting on uh, Talangi. Is that his name? Yeah, Talangi to make such a yeah. meal of the kick. Uh, but yeah, just it felt like they they weren't in this game. It'd be interesting if you went back, and it's it's a what if. But what if Bailey Simonson scores that first try? Yeah, if if the flick from uh, one wheel was just a little bit more on the money. Uh, and then, you know, that that perhaps completely changes the complexion of the game. Maybe the boys get that. You see it so often, you score a try, you get a burst of energy, right? Yeah. And, so, and, but, yeah, it's just, I think it's one of those games where we won't dwell too much on it. No. And, as a team. And speaking of not dwelling on it too much, let's just look at a couple of the silver linings here. Uh, even though he had a couple of errors in this game, I thought Will Penasini's work rate was tremendous in the testing conditions. He cracked 200 metres off just 19 carries and was he tried his backside off trying to make a difference. And if I talk about the spine being too passive, it was almost Will was trying to overcompensate there. And then off the bench, Ryan Madison is just carving out an incredible niche as that relief forward. And it's something we've spoken about, about how impactful Junior and Reg are, but how limited that second rotation has been. Uh, if we ever get Murata back fit, it feels like whether he's starting and Ice goes to the bench or Ice starts and Murata goes to the bench, when, whoever pairs up with Ryan Madison is going to cause the uh, opposition a lot of pain because Mata went over 200 metres of 21 carries here, got through a stack of tackles, a couple of tackle busts too. He, he is in sensational nick. Ready? Yeah, no, these guys just all nailed it all in the head. Um, so first off, my my gripe with the tech in the game, doesn't matter who he is. We, we flogged the Broncos last year. It's the effects coming back, you know. Our players felt it next week. So why Darwin? I don't know. Like maybe take it somewhere in New South Wales. Surely there's some there's a there's a football field somewhere in New South Wales we can play at. You know, Goulburn, for I, God's sake. I, I respect what the club has tried to do in in you know spreading rugby league to other states that aren't necessarily necessarily sorry a primarily rugby league uh, state first. But there needs to be concessions from other parties if this is going to happen. And it feels like the Eels are sort of starting to get a little bit stonewalled here. You're, you're forced into playing North Queensland, uh, who have a bigger support group there. I, I understand having the odd game against North Queensland there because they are popular, but it also needs to be balanced against the Eels getting to pick their opposition every other year at the very least. And on the flip side, if we're going to go to Darwin and play in the worst conditions you can possibly get in Australia, and the NRL yeah. is going to turn around and schedule a six-day turnaround for us against the reigning premiers in, another, in an away game, what, what is the point? You are literally handicapping yourself across two weeks. It, it's insane. Look, and like you look at it since um the the Tigers game, we went to Newcastle six day break, we went to Cowboys six day break, and now we're going to six day break. So 
I don't know. What, I don't know what a mass is. Probably, what is that? Three games in eighteen days, or you know, four games in eighteen days? Like, uh, it just give us a give us a. This is where we like. And funny, the Tigers game, we had a ten day break, so we needed a ten day break now because what's the recovery? Like, they're gonna fly out the next day. They get back home. Where the, where's the recovery? Like, where's oh, the? They would, have, um, they would have taken a red eye. Uh, it's just it's just stupid. Like, they, and like I don't I don't get it. Like. Do you want us? Do you want a flat Parramatta to versus Penrith this week, or do you want them a rejuvenated two, you know, heavyweights of the competition going at it? Like it's just literally, it's just handicapping us at the moment. And other than that, you know, like it's just what can I say? I don't think their heads were switched on. You know, I think they just thought this is too hot. We're not going to do anything. The Cowboys. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't rate the Cowboys to be honest. I thought they had an easy draw. You know, they didn't leave Queensland. They've they've left Queensland once so far. I mean, the, actually- the, the Cowboys could still be. You know, sort of pretenders in that regard. Uh, we don't obviously played an incredible game against us, but we don't know how much of that was us being flat and the conditions. Like you said, yeah. the, the only times they've played a top eight team, otherwise they got absolutely canned by the Roosters. So I, I do think they're an ascending team, though. In saying that, so I, it's, I like, do. it's like the Newcastle people going on about Newcastle winning the round one. Okay, they beat the Roosters, but have you seen what the Roosters are now? So like, you know, maybe the new like the Newcastle have been shit this whole time, and everyone just raved about how they're you know they're un- they're unbelievable round one. So. Just who, look at who they verse at the end of the year, you know? So I think just to wrap this up, two things I want to talk about quickly, boys, before we move on. Firstly, this was something I think we vocalised last week in that although Hayes Perham had a very good game against Newcastle, uh, with Dylan Brown being picked in the centres and Hayes on the wing from the team which Tuesday for uh, one of the better like, you know, one of the better teams than what we've seen so far in the Cowboys, if they had a chance to do their work and do their tape and, and film study on it, could they exploit it? And the answer is yes. Uh, I think that Kyle felt absolutely eviscerated poor Hayes Perham, both on the ground and in the air. So I'm not sure what the Eels going to do about that this week, but that's certainly a bit of a teaching tape for opposition teams, unfortunately. But on the flip side, I, I believe we got out of his game without an injury. So given how we've travelled this year, that's a, a fair effort. So yeah, silver linings play. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think we'll type the bar on that one there and, and consign it to the halls of uh, never go and look back at this game ever. Uh, but speaking of never looking at games ever again, we'll quickly run through the flag and the cup. They both took on the Raiders at Kellyville Park on Sunday. was a doubleheader out there. And unfortunately, much like the NRL team played their worst games of the season in the flag, they went down 30-6. to six. Uh, Larry Moaga-Tutia scoring the only try for the Eels, Corey Fenning converting. Uh, very, very rough game there, obviously. And then in the cup, uh, similar scoreline, 28-4 for the Raiders. Samuel Luizzo was the uh, try scorer who kept it from being a clean sheet for Canberra. Uh, former real Trey Mooney scoring, and I think Ham mentioned to me that another former real Caleb Toey had a pretty handy game as well. So uh, he was in flag. Oh, flag! Sorry, in flag. Sorry, in flag. Uh, uh, just on that, uh, Sam Lewis with the try score. He was up against Jared Croker. I actually thought he contained Croker quite well. I saw uh, Jared play the Bears a couple of weeks ago. Set up a couple of tries, scored one himself. So Sam um, doing well against uh, the experienced campaigner there. And it's not a surprise for us, Ham, because the one thing we've been frustrated, not frustrated at him, but frustrated for him, was that he hasn't been able to stay on the field. And I think this year he's been so consistent in that regard, has avoided getting nicked up or banged up for you know those two or three week, uh, week stints on the sideline and obviously avoiding a long-term injury. And I think that's a huge part as to why we're starting to see him play his most consistent football so far. Absolutely. So, unfortunately, that win drops the Eels outside the top eight in the flag. And I think in the cup, they are still inside the top four. Yes, they are on four and against. So, 10 points for and against over the Bulldogs. So, a little silver lining there for the Eels in reserve grade. And that brings a wrap on all the round eight action. 
looking to the news now, and it's another quiet week for the Eels. We did have a, a notable milestone for the club, though. Not only are they leading the NRL in membership rate, they've also set a new club record. Ham, you're my man here. I'm going to throw to you on the spot. What are we at right now? It's got to open the window at 32,704. So closing in on 33,000. Obviously an incredible effort by the club and all of its supporters. And uh, if we can go on a bit of a run uh, through the middle and late parts of the season into the finals, you have to think that number's going to climb and climb. But yeah. And, you know, people go on about winning premierships and, yes, that is the ultimate end goal. But without looking at it, this is probably our second most successful period in the club's in, history. In terms of win rate, it almost has to almost certainly be. I think maybe Brian Smith might have had a window that might have been up there too. So at the very least, it's it's probably top three. And yeah, this so is, this is an, in an era where there is just some absolute heavyweight contenders too. So, yeah, uh, very... Very good to see the club having sustained success on and off the field. And, you know, we, we obviously talked about the Cowboys game just then. That is one of those blips on the radar. They'll put it behind themselves and get the ship back uh, and right once they get some troops back. And um, speaking of getting troops back, let's look at the injury report as part of our news schedule here. And we've got some uh, interesting adjustments here. Poor Solomon Iduki, he went from being out for like a week, about a month ago, I think, to not being back until around 10 or 11 with a hamstring injury. Obviously, that was uh, either initially misdiagnosed or he's exacerbated during recovery. Unfortunately for Parramatta, Marada Niakori remains on an unknown timeline. Ditto for Wanga Blake, who we suspect has uh, sustained a grade 3 MCL, which going back to that Titans game would have put him on anywhere between a four to eight week recovery window. So we're going to assume the worst case thing there and say he's probably still another month and a bit out. Uh, but we do have a timeline for Mike Acevo's return now, who is tentatively put in for a round 12 to 14 window. So it'd be very interesting to see how he comes back from that. Uh, and then speaking of the injury report, I think that is all the other notables because we know that Paul Hayes, Dunstone, Raystone aren't coming back this year. But uh, there's uh, some names missing there, boys. Uh, we've been so used to seeing Sean Russell on there for the, uh, what was it, lung ribs injury or something like that. And he is uh, being cleared. He's returning to play this week. He'll take his spot in the New South Wales Cup, um, which I understand. I mean, I know a lot of people would want to see him rush back into the NRL team, but you've got to remember this guy's been out for two months now, so he needs his match fitness. So he'll get his uh, run in the Cup this week. But uh, also Tom Opacic, who I don't think was listed on the injury report last week, but he is back this week too. So a couple of important reinforcements there for the Blue and Gold. Any, any comments, boys? Uh, finally, good to have positive gain on the injury list and not – you know, adding to the injury list. <laughs> yeah. Still frustrating not to have timelines on Murata and Wanga, which tends to imply worst-case scenarios, as we alluded to earlier. And for Murata, it's got to be frustrating. You get suspended for round one, hurt yourself for training and do a calf injury. You wait weeks and weeks and come back and have a good game in a team loss and then do a hammy. That, that must be maddening. So a big part of a team missing there, unfortunately. But thankfully for the Eels, they do get a couple of important replacements this week, which leads us to the previews. And we're going to start with the Jersey flag, because it is a triple header out of Blue Bat Stadium up against the Penrith Panthers, uh, who are very well positioned across all three grades, leading in two and coming in third in the Jersey flag. So let's start with the 21s, boys. And for the Eels, it is a very similar lineup to the one that got pantsed by the Canberra Raiders. In fact, I think it is the same named roster from the, the pregame reshuffle with the addition of Jack Colavati as 18th man right now. And if Jack is healthy, you'd have to think he'd come back into the starting front row, Ham. Uh, yes, absolutely. They're missing um, Tavita T and Davey Hollis. Um, Did they play on the weekend? Not, not in flag, yeah, right? Yeah, they played uh, Cup, both of those. Yeah, yeah. So players. that's what I was, I was just talking about flag. That this is the same team that lost the Canberra Raiders one to seventeen, I think, as its name. Yeah. So I was, I was just going to add on Jack, who also played Cup. It's just no, they just need that experience 
um, back in the middle there. I think they're sort of lacking a bit of punch. Um, 100%. The, the, yeah. the back line looks pretty reasonable right now. If we go through the team list, it's Corey Finning at fullback. Uh, new face or new recruit from the Roosters, Moala Graham Telfer in the flag this week. Charlie Guyama, Jarrell Kalachi, the centres, Toro Williams, the other winger. In the halves, Dontori Louis and Ethan Sanders. And then we talked about that that oof, that forward back being, sorry, a bit under strength. It looks like this. Peter Tateo at prop. Taylor Mawala at the other bookend position. David Tui, who isn't the first choice hooker. Poor uh, Cruz and Tilly Schmidt must be out for a fair bit still. Uh, but Tui's been okay in the dummy half role. In the back row, you've got Cruz's brother, Felix and Tilly Schmidt, Lachlan Blackburn and Brock Parker. On the bench, Nicholas Lenars, Nico Raffle, Larry Maigatutia and Reese Alderton. We already said that Jack Colavati's 18th man. Yeah, the, I mean, there's still some you know important contributors in that pack, uh, Ham. you got Tatia, obviously. Uh, Lockie Blackburn's been very good feels. Brock Parker's a very tidy lock forward. But that, that's got to be at least like second string depth when you factor in all the injuries that, and, and promotions to the cup that are in play right now. Yeah, you sort of – your starters there, you, um, Peter, Peter T, Taylor Mawala and Brock Parker are probably all more suited to the bench, coming off the bench at this point. Um, Lockie Blackburn's an interesting one. I thought uh, – a couple of times I've seen him, I, I still think he's a centre – um, but the club has got him playing in the back row there. But, you know, between Charlie Ngaimer and Jabril Kalachi, you know, those two are out-and-out centres. So he's got to there, find right? a place for him somewhere. Exactly. He's an so Australian schoolboy. Starting caliber player, um, get him into the back, back row. Yeah. So that one kicks off at 3.50pm at Bluebet Stadium. As I mentioned, part one of a triple header against the Penrith Panthers. That brings us to the New South Wales Cup where the Eels obviously, like their flag compatriots, looking to bounce back from their loss. They're taking on the top seed of Penrith Panthers. I don't think they're undefeated in this grade. If we have a quick look at the ladder, I think they've no, dropped, they lost to the dropped one game. Yeah, there you go. So Eels still in the top four. A win here brings them with to within one game of the Panthers. So plenty to play for here uh, as you look at uh, sort of mid-season uh, sort of stakes on the ladder. And they look like this in the cup. Jordan Rankin captaining from fullback. Matthew Komalafi on one wing. That'll be the left, I imagine. Or will it? Because Sean Russell did play left in the NRL. He returns this week. Um, yeah, does he play left or right ham? If the goal was getting back to NRL, he plays left, right? Hey, sorry, he plays yeah, left, yes. So, yeah. so that, that'll be something to keep an eye on for this game, uh, where those wingers uh, take to the field. And Kamalafi has played right wing for the juniors, if I recall correctly. I, I do rest, uh, have memories of him streaking down the right sideline in, in the He definitely played there in Howard Matthews. Yeah, there you go. So one to monitor there. In the centres, it's unchanged. Zach Sini and Samuel Luizu. In the halves, we do have one change. Jake Arthur drops back from the NRL this week due to the addition of Tom Opacic. He'll partner Jack Williams there at 5... Or Jack Williams at 5'8", uh, Jake at halfback, sorry. Front row, you already mentioned this player is missing from the flag hand, but Tavita Talmapenu continues to be a real, really solid fixture in the cup. He's going to get another start in the front row where he'll partner with McGreg, Mitch Ray in the dummy half. In the back row, the outstanding Ellie Elsgaham will be on one edge. Jaden Yates, the utility forward who can play a bit of dummy half, bit of lock, and also edge forward. He'll be on the other edge, the left one as it stands. Kai Rodwell will be the lock forward. On the bench, Brendan Hands is the utility guy. Keaton Walkington Meads the muscle through the middle, and you've got Luke Bain and Ryan Jones as the other two forwards on the bench. And yeah, they're taking on a Penrith team, top of the ladder. I'm just looking at any uh, notables there. We've got uh, Christian Crichton, who's found his way back to the Panthers from the Bulldogs, Rob Jennings. Uh, I don't know if Matt Stimson's in relation to the, the Stimson that went to the Dogs. Sean O'Sullivan obviously had that start, hot start in the NRL this week, this year, sorry. Uh, Mitch Kenny's got NRL experience. Chris Smith has NRL experience. Jermaine Hopgood, and then... I think that's about it. Oh, Maverick Guy, obviously related to the Guy clan. And yeah, that, that's a pretty reasonable team. You can see why they're coming first. Uh, plenty of experience across the park there. 
this will be a good win if the Eels can get it, Ham. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you talk about, you think about our first grade team, uh, when our starting props go off or our starting middles go off, that's sort of when we like punch off the bench and that's sort of similarly here with um with the reserve grade. Once uh, Tavita T, Wiramu and Kai go off, you know, fair play to the guys coming off the bench, but they're just not at the level, especially of Wiramu and Kai who are um, probably – Fringe first graders at this yeah, point. They're, they're they're obviously plus reserve graders. Like they're guys that are probably too good for reserve grade and looking to carve out a spot in first grade if they can. So yes, the the drop off there is significant. But once again, we we spoke about this here and we have in the last couple of weeks too. That back on that forward pack is so far away from what it should be in a normal even factoring for a few injuries. It's still so far and away where from where it should be. Absolutely. And they're going to kick off at 5.20 p.m. on Friday night out at Blue Bet Stadium. So like I said, second part of a triple header. Eels looking to consolidate their spot inside the top four and sort of bridge the gap towards the top team in the competition. So be very interesting to see how they handle that bounce back from a bit of a, a God, I was about to say adversary, which is a, a, a rival opponent, but adversity. Oof. Uh, but yeah, be interesting to see how they handle that. Uh, Jake's going to be a big in from there. The Eels have been, uh, although Brendan Hans has done a good job being that sort of super utility between dummy half and starting dummy half and starting 5'8". Jake gives the team far more direction from the halves and he'll partner up nicely with Jordan Rankin from fullback and hope he can be the difference for the Eels on the night. And that brings us to the NRL proper Eels coming into this game in fifth position, got leapfrogged by the Cowboys due to four and against, taking on the undefeated Penrith Panthers. Uh, Panthers heavy favourites in this one, no surprise, $1.25 on the line, or not at the line, but uh, in the head-to-head from sports bet. Paramount out at four bucks, no surprises. Short turnaround, lots of injuries. And the, not only that, but the uh, body, the Eels get one player back. And of course, the, the Panthers got it up by getting two players back as well. So we'll go through that right now. Uh, Dylan Edwards was at fullback. Charlie Staines and Taylor May are named right now on the wings. Uh, but uh, there's a bit of speculation that Brian To'o, who is in the 24, might get into that uh, Charlie Stain spot. They've got Isaac Tago and Stephen Crichton in the centres. It's a very formidable back line without a doubt. Uh, Jerome Luai and Nathan Curry, who will captain the team at halfback, are in the six and seven respectively. In the front row, Matt Eisenhower is named to start, but we have Moses Leota coming back from injury in that extended roster too, so look for him to be a late inclusion in the starting team pending his fitness. Uh, but right now it is Eisenhower partnering James Fisher-Harris in the front row. Appy Corusel is the dummy half. Uh, Viliami Kikau and Liam Martin starting edge back rowers. Isaiah Yo uh, gets the co-captaincy there of Cleary, but he'll be locked forward. On the bench, uh, the Sony Luke sorry, is the reserve dummy half. Scott Sorensen, Spencer Lenu, and Jamin Salmon, one-time eel, uh, are the interchange players. Robert Jennings, Chris Smith, Jermaine Hopgood, Sean O'Sullivan uh, are the 19-21. We already mentioned Moses Leota and Brian To'o. The other reserve player is Mitch Kenny. That is a very, very good lineup. They're the reigning premiers. They're undefeated. They've got a streak at home that extends, what, past 20 now? Uh, I think it's like three yeah, years Three sure years of being undefeated at home or some shit right now. So they they are an outstanding, as much as it sucks to say, they're, they're an outstanding team, the benchmark of the competition. And by and large, a team that the Eels have really shaped up well against outside of one result in 2020 or 2021. I think where we were a bit undermanned and lost twenty to two. I think, but we've traditionally played some pretty good football against them, and that goes back to the sudden death final last year, where we played that ridiculous eight to six clash, uh, some of the highest caliber football you'll ever see in the modern era, uh, if not the entirety of rugby league. But yeah, this this is a game that it is hard to be optimistic for, given the just amount of injuries, that short turnaround, everything seems stacked 
against the Eels right now and it includes the Penrith Panthers getting ostensibly back to full strength. I'll let Birdie go. Yeah, listen, it's one of those games where like nothing's gone our way, you know, and with that, like it we're literally down down we we're on the ropes essentially and I, I feel as though we've got nothing to lose, you know, so why not, you know, for give you know, throw the kitchen sink and, you know, have a go. I just yeah, I just feel like, you know, Penrith, you know, they're underdog. Not underdog, sorry. They're, they're the best team. Sorry, they're the best. They're the best team um, in the comp. You know, they hardly have any injuries. You know, there was a time when they were like us. They had injuries every week. You know, um, maybe we need to build a, you know, high-performing center, performance center. But, um, yeah, what, what can you expect? you got the best halfback in the comp, you know, against, uh, against Moses. That's, I think that's, like, the main thing I'll be looking at, to be honest, Moses v. Cleary. Um, other than that, you know, I... Every time they go wide, I'm just going to, you know, clinch and, you know, pray to God we don't let it let them in. Well, speaking about going wide, let's quickly look at the Parramatta lineup because there is a notable addition to the back line. Starting at fullback, it's Captain Quinton Gufferson. Hayes Parham, after that awful day at the office, and, you know, this isn't a knock on Hayes. He's not a winger by trade, but he does retain his spot on the left flank where he'll partner Tom Opacic, who was back from that neck injury he sustained against the West Tigers. Will Penasini and Bowie Simonson is the right edge pairing. In the halves, that means that Dylan Brown is back at 5'8". So very thankful to see Dylan. He's uh, right for number six jersey, Mitchell Moses at halfback. And I do want to stress that I think there's going to be a lot of trolls gloating that they were successful in their campaign to get Jake dropped. Uh, it is worth mentioning, again, Tom Opacic is healthy. And that means there is an actually pickable outside back that we can put into center. And I think that is the crux of this argument here and as to why Dylan is finally back at 5'8", more than anything else. Uh, in the front row, you've got Reg and Junes, uh, Junior Balo. To, to, I think it's how you pronounce it these, correctly these days. And I say these days, it's always been that way, but uh, we've always been pronouncing it incorrectly. At dummy half, it's Reed Marnie. On the uh, edges, unchanged this week, Sean Lane and Zai Papali'i. Nathan Brown's locked forward. On the bench, unchanged from the Cowboys, Makassi Makatoa, Ryan Madison, Oregon Kafusi, Bryce Cartwright, extended roster, Wira McGreg, Jake Arthur, Mitch Rain, Kai Rodwell, Samuel Luizu, Ellie Elsgeham, and Sean Russell. So I suppose technically there's an outside chance of Sean taking uh, part in this game, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him drop out of the team as the numbers are trimmed. But yeah, it is good to have a couple of backs back, uh, especially Tom in this case, where he can go straight back in the left center, kick Dill back to the 5-8 where he belongs. And hopefully, just hopefully, I mean, like I said, the odds are stacked against us, but that might be uh, one of the changes that helps us get into this contest. Um, yes, I just want to, sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> you go ham. Off. No, it's just, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really tough game. Um, sorry, I just, Something's come up. Okay. <laughs> Take okay. my focus off. That's all right. We'll, um, we'll, we'll leave the discussion, Bertie. Me and you, uh, we'll let Ham sort of uh, figure out what's happening on his end. That's fine. But yeah, the, this, without a doubt, is a tough game. And, you know, I don't often tip against the Eels boys, but I tell you what, I'm looking at this game, the short turnaround, the torrid conditions from Darwin, even with Tom Opacic back, we've got so many holes in our full-strength lineup up against a team that is back to full-strength, that is playing... W- frustratingly they're coming off a game where they played their worst team performance of a long time which means you know that Ivan Cleary is going to have them absolutely fired up for this one to bounce back and get everything right for their systems I can see the Penrith Panthers coming out and being really fired up uh, for all three grades after what they put out against the Gold Coast Titans last week yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, you, look, I was that confident we we're going to smash the Tigers, and look what happened. Like, I just feel as though, you know, we we got to ambush them. You know, as much we haven't had an ambush for a while, but like, I just feel as though, you know, every time we verse Melbourne, let's be honest, every time we verse Melbourne, we're in the same situation where we're like, oh, it's going to be bad, we're going to get beat, and yet the boys just turn up. Like, their their scramble defense is like superb. You know, we frustrate the shit shit out of Melbourne. And if um, you remember a couple of years ago when we ended up, I think it was a game we actually getting beat twenty two. 
to eight or whatever. That's low scoring. The first 40 minutes, they scored on the bell, right? It was a Josh Mansour. Other than that, um, we frustrated the shit out of them. Like, Crichton was dropping the ball. Like, you know, they, they, like they scored on the bell and broke, you know, broke our hearts, essentially. But um, other than that, like, we just got to frustrate them. And, um, you know, they've had everything go their way the last couple of years. You know, like, they've had, they haven't been under pressure or, you know, adversary. I feel so, um, just... Just turn up, make complete your sets, and um, just do a Tigers and complete your sets and frustrate the shit out of them. And hopefully, we can bring them down to our level. And um, you know, Moses, um, I expect Moses uh, to dominate the ball handling and even Brown, you know, to get back to um, earlier uh, earlier season form. But yeah, just just don't have to play your hand. You know, this is the guffer. Don't have to kick all the time. You know, don't have to kick early. Um, you know, Reed, don't kick. Don't just because you see an opening, don't go for the kick. Like, just play the safe the safe bets. You know, the safe um, the safe plays. And you never know what can happen. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I do want to see us get back to playing far more direct football. We have such a good forward pack. We need to really make that a point of emphasis when we're taking on any team, even the Penrith Panthers. I need Reed to be playing fast and direct from dummy half, getting Junior and Reg and the like on the front foot up against that big Penrith pack. And I want to see it in the red zone. I want to see us really hammer those posts and allow us to set up to go left or right, whichever way is the preferred option in a given set, instead of playing so side to side like we did against the Cowboys. And, you know, I'd also like to see a little bit of sustained pressure from those red zone sets. We don't need to score, but I would like to see us start forcing a few line dropouts. So that, that for me is what I want to see as our points of emphasis. Obviously, the Penrith Panthers are going to come out of this game or come into this game looking to rip in big time. Eels need to be into that contest. They need to be able to uh, sustain that pressure defensively against what Penrith's going to throw at them. They need to turn it back around. Mitchell Moses' kicking game is going to be key. But yeah, I, I just want to see the Eels get back to playing good Parramatta football. Pound the rock through the middle and then use your weapons out wide like Penasini and uh, Bailey Simonson down that right edge and, and look to exploit the numbers when you get the opportunities there. So uh, I'm not optimistic. I think we're going to put in a, an improved performance in terms of the effort, but I also think that the drain of that Darwin game on a six-day turnaround might prove critical in that final quarter of play. Penrith are an ultra-competitive, ultra-fit lineup that can go for the full 80 minutes, uh, and the Eels are going to have to dig extremely deep in order to overcome the injury toll and that short turnaround they are going to get the result up against the the reigning premiers and the undefeated team in the competition. I'd just like to add, um, sorry about before. That's there was nothing point. bad or anything. It was just, you know, this news was a bit unexpected. It's like, oh, okay, but it's all good now. Um, I've noticed we're very good at kickoff sets, like very, very good. Sometimes we're up to the 40-meter line by our third tackle. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's part of our game plan, but maybe we should score more tries <laughs> so we can do more kickoff uh, return sets. I don't know if it's part of the plan, but I think you know if, if I'm if I'm the coach, I'd be maybe write that one down in pen. Score more tries so we get more kickoff sets because we're very good at them. Um, but you know, seriously, it's got, it's, it's a tough game. Um, their forwards are big, they're hard working, um, but that's where I think we might be able to get them. I think we've got a bit more flash. We've got a bit more flash around the middle, like Matty Eisenhuth, You know, solid player. Fisher Harris, top. We bashed him the last three times. Remember that? How they kept yeah. talking him up and Ray Stone literally leveled him four times, I think, in you know in the first yeah, half. Fisher Harris probably what top five prop in the game at the moment. Kickouts uh, a sheep. Liam Martin, uh, I'm 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 the same size as Liam Martin. He's nothing. Isaiah Yo, he's that's what Isaiah Yo is. Uh, but <laughs> I just I think we've got, I think we've got the I think if Brownie leads that line up against Fisher Harris, up against Isaiah Yo, doesn't give them that opportunity to have the ball out in front and pass. 
That's what that's what that's what we're going to really need. We're going to need a really fast line on these guys, mm-hmm. and your set doesn't finish on the kick. No, the your kick attacking chase. set doesn't finish on the kick. You've the- got to go down there. You've got to go smash Dylan Edwards. You've got to go smash Charlie Staines, and we've got to smash Charlie Staines like we did in the trial match. Force him back five well, ten meters. Let's just hope that it's Charlie Staines, not Brian Toto, on that wing. But yeah, the kick chase. I mean, it sort of sort of was without mentioning an obvious thing from. Darwin, but it was very substandard. And I want to say that picked up massively because that off-the-ball stuff is what makes you a championship team in so many of these big games. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think 100% what you're saying, Ham, is what the key to victory will be. I just feel like in a normal week, I'd be confident of us getting up for it, but just that Darwin tax that's going to be on the boys physically, I'm really not sure what to make of it. I am concerned as to what factor it's going to be in our game. But, yeah, this is this is a game that I think even with that, you know, uh, sort of payoff from Darwin. I think they're going to try and be up for it. The question is, do they have enough left in the tank to go the 80 minutes? Maybe we kick to the corners, you know, kick it out. Like, you know, have a set line every time. Like, I maybe it's going to be a cold night at Penrith, so you never know. Like, yeah, I don't, look, I, look, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a first-grade coach, but I, I'd say, like, majority of this week would have been, like, um, uh, recovery, to be honest. Like, recovery from, you know, majority of the week and then mm-hmm. have a film session. That's it, really. But other than you that, have um, more recovery, surely. A few ice baths, massages. Man, I tell you what, if I'm the club, I'll be hitting up that um pain away. Uh, and say, hey, can you send us a <laughs> you know good supply package? So, yeah. Oh, it is going to be a chilly one out of Penrith. About ten degrees oh, come Friday goodness. night. Good lord. Oh, man, can I tell you what? What's that? Is that twenty-one degree swing or some shit like? Yeah, last week, so. Saturday and this Friday. Yeah. Jeez. So with all that uh, frank and serious breakdown of the potential clash against the Panthers out and on um, recording now, boys, let's go into our predictions. I'll start with you this week, Bertie. How are we going? To, oh, are the Eels going to win? And if they do oh. win, what's the first try? Or who's the first try scorer? What's the margin? Of course, the Param- Paramount's going to win. You know, I always tip them. You know, I want a tipping comp when we came last. So, you know, I don't know if there's a link between that. But yeah, I think we'll win. I think we'll surprise them. And um, I reckon we'll win uh, 22-18. Oh, uh, you know, I always back with Will. You know, back up for so last week that didn't turn out well. So I might go back to Will um, Will Pinasini. Um, you know, he every time he got the ball last week, he tried to get on the outside of the center. He got you know got successful a couple of times, and um, I feel as though he's going to give the center a bath. So yeah, young Will, uh, twenty two eighteen. Um, that's it really. Nice, Ham. How do you see this one playing out, mate? I see it playing out very uh, less tries, but similar sort of line between the two teams. I'm going to say, now this is hearkening back. If this, is, this is a deep cut. Parramatta to win 13-12, and you're asking who's kicking that field goal, who's kicking that field goal. It's going to be a half. It's going to be the one with five letters in his last name, and it's going to be a Dylan Brown. He's kicking that field goal, and Bailey Simonson scoring the first try. Very nice. Man, I felt the pain of Bailey nearly scoring that first try. It would have been two first try score picks this year if he'd gotten that uh, flick pass from uh, well, it would have been an incredible effort to ruin that flick pass from Will, but it was so close. Yeah, I'm glad you boys are feeling the optimism. I am unfortunately a bit pessimistic this week just for that combined confluence of uh, factors that I always spoke about before between Penrith being back to full strength, Parramatta obviously not full strength, and coming off that uh, game against the Cowboys in those torrid, torrid and testing conditions. I'm going to tip a Penrith win, unfortunately. Aww. Yeah. This man. Yeah, boo this boo man. This man. They, they, they hated him because he spoke the truth, unfortunately. But hopefully uh. hopefully I spoke lies, but I am expecting Penrith to win this week. And I'm going to say it'll be to the tune of 28 to 4, 28 to 16, to 16. 
Yeah. I smell something fishy here. I reckon Penrith have, you know, slipped something under the table for 40. Maybe I, I, new, wish, new I wish there was, like, kickbacks for 40 to tip against Parramatta. I'd be, I'd be on the uh, not-so-straight and narrow every week then. Uh, mm. But then uh, for first try scorer, man, uh, Bailey's been so close every time I've tipped him, so I'm not going to put the mockers on him again. I expect him to score from first for me not doing so. I'll go with if the Eels are going to play direct and hard through the middle and including in the red zone the way I'd like, I, I think it's going to be ice, Isaiah Papali'i, that goes over first. So, yeah, there we go. We've got two uh, brave boys tipping Parramatta wins, and I salute you for it. It is good to have uh, a couple of optimists on the podcast this week after what happened in round eight. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think the Eels are going to come out here and be flat. I think they're going to come out and give themselves a real red-hot go. I just think that the deck is stacked against them this week. Not to mention, we didn't talk about it, but uh, I thought that the, the official, the refereeing in Darwin was awful. And um, I think that's probably going to extend this week with Ashley Quine in the bunker. Where there was some absolute, and it doesn't, we weren't going to win on account of it, but there was some absolute like missed knock-ons, challenges retained because there was an obvious knock-on missed, uh, forward passes missed, all, all sorts of stuff that just really was alarming. And with Quine in the um Senior review official seat. I'm not expecting the bunker to be of much help to the Eels in this game. Yeah, like that strip on Will uh, from the centre. Like, how's that not, that not a strip and quarter knock on? Like, how did he lose the ball? Like, yeah. why do we get the inexperienced referees? Like, literally, like, are we not a big club? I say that. We probably lose a penalty count. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to this on a few accounts. But, yeah, if we get the win, obviously, you boys are going to look like geniuses. So, that is the silver lining to the preview if we talk about silver linings. And on that note, I think we'll start wrapping it up, boys. It's been a big week in America for lots of sports birdies. So I don't know if you've been following. Out. I know in the basketball you had a bad result for your Timberwolves, but anything else? Yeah, you want to talk about? Uh, it, you know we, we're the dumbest team in the, in the in the league. Like we just don't know how to close out a lead. Um, uh, a other than of, that, a lot of very healthy leads in that series, and you just couldn't ice it out. Yeah, that was frustrating. Yeah, like we took you know they're the second seed. You know we're the seventh seed. We just. Make up the numbers, but like we took him, you know, to Game Six. Other than that, I'm happy. I mean, the future's the, couple- the future's really bright, isn't it? Anthony Edwards is looking like an outright superstar. Carl yeah. is looking like he's coming to his own. So Minnesota yeah, we might have to trade other star, D'Angelo Russell. Like yeah. in, when it comes to NBA, the one thing teams love is an expiring contract because then you can just get rid of that con- get rid of that assets. money. You can sign someone. So yeah, exactly. So, um, that's it's kind of weird. Like sometimes you just trade for the player's contract, not the player. So oh, we we it, um. We mentioned it was coming up, but the NFL draft birdie. I thought, oh, man. I thought the Cowboys had a pretty reasonable draft. I thought for the first time in about 10 years, Seattle actually had a plan, and they didn't take weird picks. They just took good players that were on the board at the right spots. So I, I did tell you I did tell you that after the day two or whatever, okay, it only took you, uh, for you to lose Russell Wilson to, yeah, be, run, uh, run to build your, the O-line. Exactly, run out your greatest ever QB, and then you start building the O-line. It makes perfect it's, sense. It's the it's a cold effect, man. The Colts effect, sorry. You know, they had nothing for Andrew Luck. He had to retire because he was getting bashed up. And literally they built an eye on his last year the best and yeah, he's gone. Competition moving forwards. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. So at yeah. least at least Seattle had a plan in the draft and I can respect that. And it was actually like I said, from picks one through to uh first round through to the round seven, they actually had guys that in the right slots for for their um sort of draft output. So I was very happy to see that, even though I was frustrated on another level because of that Russell Wilson thing. But yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I thought the Cowboys drafted very well. Ex um ex South Sydney player um Falele. junior, sorry, Daniel Falella. He um me ended up getting drafted to the Baltimore Ravens. So that's yeah. you know, that's a huge they draft well. They know how to build players. There there's you know, some hilarious highlights yeah. of him from college because he is for those who don't know who he is, he's like six foot eight and uh and about three eighty. About hundred and seventy something kilos. He is an absolute he's- 
put this way, he is too big to be an O lineman, and you never say that about anyone. You, like usually they're just right, yeah. but for him to be too big, that's his major concern. People are saying like. 380 pounds, too big for a no-line. And the, the, he gets beat on the outside by speedy guys, but the, if someone ever just tries to bull rush him, he just – it's like Andre the Giant, you know, just stonewalls him and just pushes and they just collapse. Pancake uh, City, man, yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see because the Ravens usually are pretty good at coaching up their O-lines. It'd be interesting to see how he goes, but historically yeah. guys that big don't turn out too well because, they're like you said, Bernie, they're too big. So it'd be very interesting to see how he handles up the, the, pre, the one before him – uh, the one that went to the Philly Eagles, Jordan Mailata, made a has carved out a very good career for himself as a left tackle. But I think mm. that Falele might be too big. So definitely, yeah. we'll, we'll revisit that in the years to come, Bertie. That'll be a cool little story for us to monitor. But yeah, it was good to see. I think the Packers had a reasonable draft too. They took a couple of good defensive players in round one, and they got a, um, some wide receivers for uh, their QB after that in round two and beyond. So they'll be happy about that. Did you see what he said about wide receivers in the first round, uh, Aaron Rodgers? No. He said they're all bust. That's why. They, that's why we're happy not to take him. I'm like, I mean, this there's, there's plenty of great wide receivers <laughs> that come out of the first round. I don't. Yeah. I, I think that the Packers historically have drafted very poorly in the first round for wide receivers, whereas round two's been their sweet spot. And uh, yeah, be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, it's a, a good uh, NFL draft for all our teams. I know that Ham is really pumped up for the Green Bay Packers draft. He's been um, banging the drums in the background for us. Yep. Uh, go pack. Go. go, pack, go. Um, Really excited after I sat down and watched the whole NFL draft from start to finish, um, and I realized one thing, uh, how amazing God is. And, <laughs> and oh, exactly. that every single person puts in 100% work. Um, they've never slacked off, uh, and also parents are, are good. There you go. I think uh, Ham has summed up the That's NFL draft. That's what you can take away beautiful. from the NFL draft. And uh, yeah, and it means that the preseason is sort of a, or well, not preseason games, but the uh, rookie mini camps and all the different uh, team athletic activities, Bertie, are upon us now. As the yeah, I think next next two weeks, I think two weeks. They, uh, yeah, so it's rookie, 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 rookie camp. camps, and they take a little bit of a break, and they start going towards organized team af- uh, athletic camps. Yeah. As and a, then after that, it's a training camp as well. That's, that's right. the last one. That's during preseason that's games. Right. So. They, they, they'll trim their rosters from 90 down to 53 or whatever it is these days uh, mm. through the course of that. And we'll be uh, sure to talk about it at our end of podcast rants as it happens. But for now, I think we're going to sign off, boys. Thanks for stopping by to break down that awful loss as well as look forward to a huge game against Penrith on the weekend. And hopefully we'll be back on the weekend to break down a big Parramatta win. Hang on, before we go, right? I know we're gonna, we've are gonna we been talking along. Is this... Do you classify this as Derby Week for us, or is it the Bulldogs game? Ooh, well, I think because I, I I think geologically they're the closest rival. So geologically you think they're the closest, and in terms of recent rivalry, Penrith by far and away, far, like way more relevant to Parramatta and vice versa than uh, Canterbury. Canterbury have just, I mean, they've just they're, they're not even in a real level really. So I think historically, obviously, the Dogs have very close ties to us, but in terms of more recent bias. The Penrith Derby is absolutely the one I'd put on the calendar as the big Derby game, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a good question, Bertie. And I think that if the dogs get back to being competitive, obviously that will change the algorithm a bit. But right now, uh, yeah, definitely if, if I'm thinking about the big game for Parramatta on the season in terms of rivalries, and I know there's Manly and there's like the Canterbury and uh, maybe even Melbourne I think is right up there too, honestly, because of uh, modern historical uh Injustices, I suppose, is probably the best way of putting it. I think that both Melbourne and Penrith are probably our, some of our big derby games now. So, yeah, good good, good little question to sign off on the podcast. But, yeah, hopefully we can get back to everyone that listens on the weekend for 
instant rule, not instant reaction, but a review edition of the podcast that features the Eels having a huge upset when they finish. But until then, stay safe. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Cheers, mate. Go, Power. Laters. Right.